Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. So we're going to talk this morning about miracles. So go ahead and get your Bible out, get your uh, live notes out. We're talking about miracles in the series, and I'm super excited. I believe God's a miracle-working God. I believe it. I've seen it with my own eyes. We've experienced it. We know that we serve a supernatural God. Therefore, he has a supernatural mission for his people. We are supernatural people. It just makes sense. Why would we live normal? Jesus didn't die for normal. Can I say it this way? He didn't have a normal death so we could have a normal... He, he didn't have an un- abnormal death so we could have a normal life. Did, that, did I say it right that way? I mean, his, his death was above and beyond so we could live above and beyond life. I mean, Jesus just died and the price for our sin was just death. There's a lot of ways, but, but he died the, the worst way you can and he died with beatings and torture and, and he did all that, the extra mile, so we could live beyond the natural or the norm. And so let's not settle for anything less. So we talk about miracles. Pastor Dave did a wonderful job kicking it off last week. I, I watched online and, and I think it only take me a few minutes just to you know, clear some things. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> These guys do such a good job. I just enjoy, I get to feed when I'm watching them minister. And so he did a great job. And I know through the series, there's gonna be a lot we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about building our faith and we're gonna talk about you know, getting excited and motivated and coming to this place where our faith is fully engaged. But I know that faith has a, has a wrestling to it. And let me explain it this way. I, I think sometimes that we, we, we attach faith in a way that, that we're trying to get God to do something out of an emotion, out of a, out of a need. And, and can I tell you, God doesn't respond to need. If he did, there would be no needs. God doesn't respond to problem. If he did, there'd be no problems. What, what does God respond to? Faith. He responds to faith. Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, there lies our wrestling because then you and I think we can generate or create from nothing some kind of faith or enough faith for God to do something. And if he doesn't, then we risk feeling like we just didn't have enough faith, almost as if it was a defeat, almost as if it was worse than before. And in fact, I've experienced those discussions and maybe even some of those wrestlings in my own life. Let me tell you a quick story. It was several, several, several years ago that this church, we had a co-op. Uh, uh, Tree Life had a co- was involved in a co-op, uh, a homeschool co-op. Um, and so one of our uh, children's pastors at that time was speaking in a chapel. And so in that chapel, he was talking about faith based on some circumstances that had happened in the world. And he was addressing it. And through God's a good God and a faithful God. And he doesn't put stuff on you to teach you or punish you. And there's enough bad stuff just in this broken world. He wouldn't need to do that. And that would be contrary to why would he send Jesus to die for all this if he's just going to put it on you. And so we don't believe that way. We believe God's a God of miracles. And we believe he's a good God and he heals and we leave the things we don't know up to him. And so this family was upset about the chapel service. So I got a phone call and said, can we meet? And I said, sure, I'd love to sit down with you. They didn't go to Tree of Life. They came to another church, which the co-op was open to other churches. And so I walked into a meeting thinking I was meeting with this one family. Instead, I ended up meeting with seven families. And you know what they call that in ministry? An ambush. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You call that in anything in life, right? And I walked in, I'm like, whoa, okay, wow, praise the Lord. And so, uh, so they all went around and introduced themselves. And one of them was a pastor of another church. They were all from his church. 
And so we sat down, they began to tell me why it was wrong for us to, to preach faith, why it was wrong to us to believe like that when, when what we're doing is setting up people for disappointment and, and people, if they don't have their need met, they're gonna think they didn't have enough faith and therefore they're not gonna even wanna be with God anymore. And I listened to all that for a time and I said, you know what, no disrespect here, but you can believe what you wanna believe, but don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me that God doesn't do miracles. Don't tell me that he doesn't heal. Don't tell me that. I see it in the Bible, and you can believe what you want to believe, but as for me in my house and as for me in my church, we're going to believe for the impossible. We're going to believe for miraculous. We're going to believe for all of it, all of it. And if he doesn't do it, that's up to him, but either we're going to see it here or in heaven. We're good either way. We're going to trust him all along the way. And I said, you teach and preach whatever you want, but as far as this church goes, well, needless to say, the next semester we were... Uh, our attendance was way down <laughs> and at the school, but my faith was way up. And because uh, I believe God is a faithful God. I told him this story in the middle of the discussion. I didn't want to debate him theology. It was, theological. It wasn't a point. Believe what you want to believe. I'm not trying to convince you. God doesn't need convincing. The Bible defends itself, right? You don't need to defend it, right? Um, read the Bible for yourself. And uh, so my dad had passed away. In fact, speaking of similar circumstances in North Carolina, my dad unexpectedly had a heart attack. It was a Wednesday night service. It was during the church anniversary. Many of you heard me tell the story before. My dad felt that God wanted to move and heal people, ironically. So 20 people came up front for healing, and my dad laid hands on all of them, which we believe. And so some of them were instantly healed. Some of them had a healing as they went. And then uh, at the, after that moment, he went to an associate pastor, actually Mark McKinney, and he said, something's not right. Take me to the hospital. And an hour later, he was in heaven. Didn't make sense to me. My family, we got there, we're in the emergency room. My dad's laying there on a table. We were there for a few minutes. The family left. I stayed behind for a moment and I prayed and asked God to raise him up from that table. I took his hand and I, and I tried to remember every scripture I could on resurrection, everything on faith. And I, and I thought within myself, just clear doubt, clear any doubt out of my mind, clear all the doubt out of my mind. Come on, in Jesus' name, I quoted Lazarus scriptures. I quoted Jairus' daughter scriptures and, and the woman who lost her son and, and Jesus raised him from the dead. And I sat there and I prayed and believed that nothing happened. And I walked out of that room and I was just broken. I, I, what, what is this? I'm, what, I'm, I'm mad at God and... And for a short time, and then I thought the next day, I kind of, my emotion, I, I got a, uh, on top of it a little bit. I, I thought to myself, number one, I said, okay, God, I still believe that you're God, and that doesn't change anything. You're still a God of miracles, and I trust you with what I don't know. And the second thing was, I said, I am glad because had dad come back in that moment in that emergency room, he would have grounded me for the rest of his life for bringing him back. What are you doing? I was in heaven. I was in heaven, and you brought me back to this place? But I'll tell you, I, 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 within myself, I had to look and search within myself and on faith. But I, I, I believe, preach, teach faith all day. I will. I'll lay hands on the sick. I've been in hospitals where I prayed for people and they've gotten well. I've been in hospitals where I prayed for people and they went to heaven. It was a win-win either way. Because for us, heaven is our destination. And I don't know what happens in this, but here's what I do know. There's ways that sometimes we look at faith and we wrestle with our faith and we're trying to create and generate an emotion. Can I tell you, I'm an emotional person. You know that. I just got emotional. I'm an emotional person. My goodness, right? I'm like, how am I gonna generate faith to a point where my emotion's not involved, where I can na navigate through that? And that moment, what am I gonna do in that moment? So there's more to faith than what we think. It's not an emotion or a feeling. Or a feeling. It's, let me say it this way. I believe this morning, what I'm gonna tell you is I believe faith is a position. It's trying to maintain a position, not trying to, con not trying to change a, a condition. 
Because my condition's crazy over here with these emotions and I'm trying to get on top of it to change this from death to life or whatever it is. But yet the reality is in my emotion and my humanity, I struggle with that as we all would. But I can find myself in a position of faith that really has nothing to do with my emotion. That's what I want to share with you this morning because I believe we, we, we miss it sometimes. And, and are you that faith church? Absolutely. We are that faith church. We believe in the supernatural. And we're gonna believe that. Listen, I don't wanna be normal. If we're just a nor another normal church, the world doesn't need us. But the world needs a church that believes in the supernatural, miracle-working power of God now more than ever. And we're gonna believe that. We're gonna stand there. First Kings 3, let's start here this morning. First Kings 3. I say that not to disrespect anybody or that, that group of people or anything like that, but it was an opportunity for me to grow and mature and and then that moment with my dad, and I still believe, and I have no problem praying for people because I don't do the healing. I don't heal anybody. I don't save anybody. I don't deliver anybody. God does that. But I'll be a willing vessel and leave the rest up to him. First Kings 3, 3 through 5 says this, and Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon, we, we could stop right there and just, you gotta love God. You gotta love the Lord. No matter what's happening, love the Lord. Love him. And goes on to say, Walking in the statutes of his father, David, King David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings. Say thousand. Listen to this. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, and, and God said, ask what shall I give you? Understand this scripture right here. Solomon loved the Lord so much that he went and gave a thousand burnt offerings to God to worship him, to declare who he is in his life. And he didn't have to ask God for a miracle. God asked him what he wanted for a miracle. Come on, somebody. You mean I can position myself that I'm not having to ask God through my emotion, the midst of everything, to do something, please do something. If I can position myself that God would say, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? I love that. I want that. I want to position myself. That's not normal. I want to position myself. I want to be positioned in a place that, that I'm positioning myself for God's outpouring of miracles in my life. Let me say, God, pour out your miracles in our life. Pour out your miracles in this church. If you're healing, heal here. If you're moving, move here. If you're delivering people, deliver here. If you're restoring, restore here. Do that here. And God's looking for a place and for a people that will position themselves in faith. My goal is not to build a big church. That's not my goal. My goal is to build a church where heaven meets earth. My goal is to build a church where faith is so engaged because of our position and belief in God that miracles just break out. And they spill out from this place into our homes and our neighborhood and our communities and our businesses, our jobs. That's what I believe. I want a church that's just a little different. I don't want to be like every other church. It's not what we're called to be. I want a church that's believing for miracles, and they aren't just for Sunday at 9 and 11. They're for 24-7, wherever you are, every day in your life. And I believe God's going to do it, and I'll be real honest with you. I'm patient. I know it doesn't happen in one day overnight, but we're going to hit it every week. We're going to believe for it every week. We're going to believe for it every time we gather together. We're going to believe for the miraculous. We're going to sing about it. We're going to believe for it. We're going to pray for it. We're going to do it every single week, and I know that he is working and moving. I believe God. But I believe in our wrestling comes with a, a, a need to understand this idea of faith because, listen, God's not moved by needs or problems. He's moved by faith. 
And so, again, talking about faith being a position that we can stand in more than, a con- more than trying to change a condition because we wrestle with our emotions all the time because we're emotional people. And I want to give you four positions to be in to see your miracle. Because faith is more about changing your position than changing your condition. So four positions to be in to see your miracle. Number one, be open-handed. Be open-handed. 1 Samuel 1, 10 through 11. Let me set it up for you really quick. This is a story of Hannah. Hannah was barren. She couldn't have any children. And she prayed and asked God for a child. She wanted a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a child. I want a miracle. And listen to the emotion in this prayer from Hannah. If it was based on trying to get our emotions in order all the time to try and generate some faith because because we're wrestling with doubt because of our emotions, I don't know why any of us would ever receive other than God's gift of miracles or God's gift of healing that happens. But here's what Hannah said in 1 Samuel 1, 10 through 11. And she was, listen to the emotion here. She was in bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you'll indeed look on the affliction, you see the emotion, the wording there, of your maidservant, of your maidservant and remember me. And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child specific. Listen to this. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. If you will give me my miracle, God, I will give my miracle back to you. I, whatever you give me, God, it's yours. It's yours. I, I, will, I, I, will, I will train him up in the ways of God. And he became one of the great prophets and prophesied over, uh, over King David. He, he grew up in the things of God. God, if you'll give me my miracle, I will return him back to you. Be open-handed. God's not interested in moving supernaturally in things that don't advance his kingdom. God wants to get you a miracle, but he also wants to advance his kingdom. And the first place God places, the first place God places Miracles in is open-handed people. God, if you do this in my life, I I won't keep it for myself. If you wanna see a miracle in your life, you gotta figure out how to return that miracle back to God. So here's my question to you. What's the miracle you want and how are you gonna give it back to God? God, I wanna be married. Great, how are you gonna give your marriage back to me then? How are you gonna use that marriage union to help people? God, I'm believing for a house. Great. How are you going to give that house back to me? Growing up as a kid, and especially here in Texas, rather, probably more so when we were here, my house was everybody's house. It was like, what? It's like, don't you have your own home? Oh, it's you again? Why don't you, you know, like, they don't feed you at your place? It's like, it was an open door, right? My mom and dad had people in our house all the time, and I didn't realize it or appreciate it at the time. But you know why people came to our house all the time? Because there was peace. It was a shelter from the storms of this crazy world. It was a safe place. It was a place that they could come cry. It's a place they could come find comfort. It's a place they could come find love. It's a place they could come find prayer. We had small groups and Bible studies. People were broken in those places and delivered. They were, we saw depression leave, suicidal thoughts leave in that house. That house was God's house. Why? If you're believing for a house, find a way to give it back to God. God, I'm believing for this home and it doesn't look with my credit, with my money, whatever, but God, I promise this is it for you. This, I'm gonna position myself in my house to be your house. My doors will be open. People will come and know the peace of God here and we will love everybody and we will feed everybody and we will pray. People will be healed in this living room. People will be set free here in the kitchen. People will be delivered in Jesus' name. Open-handed. Position yourself to be open-handed. It was a place where People would come to get back on their feet. My dad, if you, if you were here for a long time, when my dad was here, he, he'd just bring stray people home. 
to live in our house. Like we come home and see another stranger. Who's that? Mom, who's that? I don't know. Your dad brought him home. <laughs> Why do you let him do that? Why do you let him do that? It's like we just had weird people. We had one guy lived in our backyard in a tent for three months. He was always peeking out back there. What was he doing? What's he doing back there? Starting a fire, you know, whatever. <laughs> we had one guy live with us for a little while, and then, and then he left. And, then, and the, like the next day, the associate pastor at that time uh, uh, told my dad that that guy that we had living with them came over to their house while they were gone, and they came home just in time to see him. He was running out their door with their TV and all that stuff. He robbed, he robbed these. We didn't rob our house. <laughs> Now, I don't recommend all that right now, but you got to give your house back to God, right? Be wise and give it back to God, amen? Be open-handed. How are you going to give it back to God? Hannah said, God, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you, and in all the days of his life, he will worship you. Sometimes we're afraid to give things back to God or give things to God because we, we feel like it's, we'll never get it back or it's a loss And let me say this, anything given to God is not something lost, it's something planted. And something planted will bring a harvest, and a harvest is always greater than the seed. Second position you need to be in, be prepared. Be prepared. 2 Kings 4, 2 through 6 says this. So Elisha, this is Elisha, the prophet Elisha, comes on this widow woman. Her husband left him in a lot of debt. Now he's died. The collectors are gonna come take her sons to pay the debt off, and she needs a miracle. So Elisha said to her, what should I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels into her and poured out the miracle. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased or the miracle ceased. And let me say this to you, be prepared. Or let me say it this way, go get some jars. God wants to do a miracle, but he needs some place to put it. God's not interested in wasting the supernatural. The Bible talks about you don't pour new wine in old wineskins. Why? Because new wine ferments and old wineskins are hard and brittle and they'll crack and that new wine will be wasted. God's a good steward. And we want things from God that we are not prepared to handle. God, give me a million dollars. It would destroy you. Come on, you'll watch those shows about how the lottery destroyed my life. (laughs) I'd still like to try. I'll give you the 90 and live off the 10. (laughs) Go get some jars. Before you receive a miracle, you need to find something to put it in. Get some jars. God's not gonna send you a financial miracle if you're not wise enough or prepared enough to handle it. That's why we have a small group right now going on, Financial Peace University. Why are you in Financial Peace University? I'm getting me some jars. Why you tithe? I'm getting me some jars. Why you going to the marriage for that, that tree marriage every the first Sunday of every month? You go to, you go to tree marriage for a service and you go to second service. Why are you there for two services on the first Sunday of every month so you can go to tree marriage? I'm getting me some jars for my marriage. Right in the marriage small group, I'm getting some jars. Right in the parenting group, I'm getting me some jars. Why are you doing all that? I'm getting me some jars. Why? Because I'm going to be prepared for my miracle. I'm going to be prepared for my miracle. 
if the miracle were being that you were believing for happened tonight, would you have a place for it? Oh, we think we would, but God knows better than we know. Would you have a place for it? So here's my question. What have you prepared to maintain the miracle? Faith goes and gets jars to put the miracle in. Be prepared. And I tell you this, and I won't tell you what they are and stuff because you don't need to know, but I have a lot of jars. I have a lot of empty jars. There's a lot of things I'm believing God for. But you know what I'm doing? I'm preparing for my miracle in Jesus' name. And I'm gonna keep preparing for my miracle and keep believing for my miracle and keep positioned in a place of preparation until I see those jars full or until I'm in heaven and I won't need those jars anymore and then I'm in heaven. I got a lot of jars. You may think it's weird. It's only weird till it happens. And then it's a miracle. Number three, position yourself. Be obedient. Be obedient. Luke 17, 14 says this. So when he saw them, here's, a, here's some men coming. They need, a, they need healing in their bodies. And Jesus had already performed six miracles before that. He laid hands on people. These guys were coming, probably expecting to have hands laid on them by Jesus. And so when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went, as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, I'm not gonna do it like you expect to do it, but if you'll listen to me and be obedient, you'll get your miracle. Well, you just laid hands on all that. Why don't we go, go do that? What difference does it make? If God says to do it, obey. Some of us aren't getting miracles because we're not obeying God. We want it done our way. I just, that's, that's, that's awkward. I don't want, that's uncomfortable. I, that's certainly inconvenient. I'm not gonna do that. Then don't expect your miracle. That's had nothing to do with your emotion now. I just, I know I gotta, no, 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 I can't do that. That's weird, awkward. I'm just gonna pray. I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna believe God for more. Well, good luck. How's that working for you? Because you don't have, you'll never have enough faith, faith to outdo obedience. <laughs> obedience brings the blessing. I may not have enough faith and feel because of the emotion of, of what I have to make, to, to have a need to be able to generate or, or build this faith or whatever, but you know what? I'm just going to do what God said to do. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I'm just going to do what God said to do. It's about your position, not your condition. Be positioned in faith. Be obedient. And some of it happens over time. On your way, I, call, I say it this way. There's a miracle for the moment, and there's a miracle for the movement. Or you're moving, being obedient. What has God told you to do that you haven't done yet? That's my question. What has God told you to do that you haven't done yet? Has he told you to get baptized? Then get baptized. You need to anyways. In fact, if you get baptized, I believe when you come up out of that water, miracles happen. If, he, if he's told you to tithe, tithe. He tells us that clearly in the Bible. I want a financial miracle. Well, you're not being obedient. Has he told you to serve? Then serve. We need more people being obedient to this one because we need more people serving. Has he told you to apologize? Then apologize. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. Doesn't matter. Do what God has told you to do. Has he told you to leave that job? Leave that job. Well, that, I, where am I going to find that much money? He's your source and provider. Let him figure that out. Has he told you to break up with that person? What if I don't find somebody? Wait for the one he's got for you. You're obviously not ready yet. But be obedient. Your miracle's connected to your obedience. If you're not seeing God move in your life, then go back to the last thing he told you and do it. Do what he told you to do. 
What has God told you again? What, again, what has God told you to do that you haven't done yet? And number four, be an extravagant worshiper. This is a big one. Be an extravagant worshiper. In fact, let's go back to our original story. We see it so clearly here. First Kings 3, verse 4. Now the king went to Gibeon, King Solomon, to sacrifice there, worship there. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. I, I, it just blows my mind. Maybe not so much the magnitude of how many, but understand this. Let me give you a little more context. When they gave a sacrifice to God, they had to do it certain ways. I mean, I think we just think they ran out in the field and as gross as that sounds and lined up a whatever, just ran from bowl to bowl to bowl, whatever. But if it was a sacrifice unto the Lord, it had to be done a special way. You can imagine a thousand of them. I mean, how many days must that have taken? Maybe even weeks. How long did it take to do that? Patience to do it and do it right. And listen, it says a, a, a thousand burnt offerings. But if you study that out, other translations will say, if you study it out in the, and read the context of the day or the culture of the day, it'll say a thousand choice bulls. A thousand choice bulls. Well, that's interesting to me. And I don't know how much about animals in that, in that regard. But I know my daughter, my oldest daughter, went to uh, Utah, had, a, had an opportunity to go to Utah and work on a horse ranch for a while and this ranch was known as going out and doing these horse shows but they were very successful they were known nationally and they won all kinds of awards and all kinds of horse shows and they were doing a particular style of showing horses and so she went out there and got to work there for a while and listen what they would do is they'd win the, all these shows but they didn't make a whole lot of money on the show they might make a little bit of money on like paying for their expenses but you know where they made the money breeding those horses so think about that for a second. So here's a thousand choice bulls. It means these are the bulls that they would breed for the herds. I mean, these are the ones that, that the herds of Israel would come from. These, are, these were valuable. It wasn't just what they meant for that moment, but what they could do into the future. And so here's Solomon's extravagant act of worship unto God. So when a king in that day, when a king would be set in, they would sacrifice one bull. Now Solomon, he goes, I don't want to do what everybody else does. It was normal to do one bowl. I don't want to do normal when it comes to God. God's so much greater than that. So he said, I'm going to go beyond normal. I'm going to go beyond what anybody else does because I love God that much and I don't care what anybody else thinks. He goes, I'm going to be extravagant in my relationship with God. I'm be extravagant worshiper. I'm going to go beyond the norm. Go beyond what everybody else is doing. Solomon wanted God to know how much he meant to him. God, what? can I do? I, I love you. And he shows him this and God responds. What can I do for you, Solomon? Extravagant worship gets extravagant response from heaven. Unusual sacrifice gets unusual miracles from God. And here's what I've discovered that worship isn't just my song that I sing on Sunday morning. The Bible says that our lives are to be a living sacrifice or worship. Our lives every day are worship, holy and acceptable to God. What does God want? He wants you. He wants you here. He wants you at work. He wants you at home. He wants you at school. He wants you at the store. He wants you at, at the ball field. He wants you. He wants you to be his hands and feet. He wants you to live for him. He wants you. When was the last time you did something for God that required you to stop doing something for you? When was the last time you did something for God that required you to stop doing something for yourself? When was the last time you did something for God that was actually an inconvenience to you? I don't wanna do it, but I'm gonna do it. And here's my question. When was the last time you didn't just meet an expectation of God, 
you exceeded it. I know this is what God expects of me, but I'm going beyond that. I know this is what God asked for me, but I'm going beyond that. Oh yeah, I gave my 10% in the offering, but I'm getting a coat too. I mean, it sounds funny, it sounds silly, but you know what that is? That's beyond your normal. That's extravagant. What does that look like for you? What does that look like in your life? But ask the question, when was the last time you didn't just meet an expectation, but you went beyond it? See, I believe faith can be about trying to maintain a position and not trying to change a condition. Because of the emotion that we feel in the middle of all this, I don't know that sometimes because of what we go through, we can ever actually get to that point to believe God for something because we are so hurt and the pain is real. But here's what I do believe. I do believe I can come and tell God, whatever I have, whatever you give is yours. Whatever you give me, God, I'm gonna give right back to you to glorify and honor you. I, I, God, I'm, I'm, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm, I'm gonna be prepared. I'm gonna go get some jars, God. I don't know how. People are gonna think it's weird. Why are you doing all that? I don't, but I'm gonna be prepared, God. And I don't know about the emotion of trying to generate to get some, but you know what, God? I'm gonna be obedient. Whenever you tell me, I'm gonna do it. I mean, people are gonna laugh at me and mock me, perhaps. That's okay, perhaps, because I just can't get there to my emotions, but I'm just gonna do. I don't know what else to do. Have you ever been with someone that's been, we were just out in North Carolina with Dee McKinney. And she's just like, I don't even know what to do with the emotion. Just tell me what to do. Can I tell you, that's a good place to be with God. Just tell me and I'll do it. And I don't know, it doesn't make sense. And I sure don't feel like worshiping. And I sure don't feel like this, God, because the emotion, because we're not supposed to be moved by our emotion. But I'm gonna worship you through it all. Don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it. I'm gonna worship him no matter what happens in my life. So band, if the band will come on out, here's, what I, here's the only thing I know to do in this moment is just to create this opportunity right here. I'm gonna ask you to do something and it doesn't require anybody else. If you, I don't know if you have a pen or paper, maybe on your phone, whatever that looks like for you. I'm gonna ask every one of you just for a moment to think about what's that miracle that you're believing for because the reality is all of us have something we're believing God for. I mean, the reality is probably we have many things we're believing God for. But I wanna ask you to do something. I wanna ask you to write down what that is. You can write down multiple things if you want. You can do that later at home. But right now, just write down one thing you're believing God for. And I don't want you to ask God for it. We're not gonna go to God and pray and plead and ask him to do this thing. What I wanna ask you to do is wrestle within yourself for a moment. I want you to ask, answer those questions. What, are you open-handed? What can you do? to give that miracle that you're believing God for back to him. You don't have to ask God, God, what can I do? You know what you can do. And then I want you to look at the preparation part, to be prepared. You don't have to ask God that. You know what you need to do to prepare your life. What adjustments do you need to make in your life? What do you need to do to go get other jars? Not just to contain the miracle, but maintain it. What do you need to do? You just need to be wise and a good steward, some of us. You wrestle within yourself. You don't have to ask God for that. And then you need, to, you, need, you need to wrestle within yourself. What is it that I've done that he's told me to do that I haven't done? And for some of us, we'll know immediately right away. We don't have to ask God that one. You know. You know what you haven't done that God's asked you to do. And you just make a decision. God, as soon as I opportunity arises, I'm gonna do this. And then just within yourself, you don't have to ask God. God, 
you just ask, wrestle within yourself, what can I do to go beyond my norm with God? Up to this point, how do I just take it one step further? It may be two bowls, not yet a thousand bowls, but go beyond where you currently are with God. What more can you give him? What more can you offer him? It just is that next step. Just take that next step. Those are things you don't need to pray and ask God for. Those are things you just wrestle with in yourself. And here's what I believe. I believe God will show up. I believe God will show up. Because faith moves God. And faith may be more about a position than changing a condition. So let's all stand to our feet. Here's what I want the team to do. I want the team just to lead us in just a, a little bit. It won't be long of worship. Just to give you a moment, because I don't want you to say, yeah, I'll do that when I get home. I want you to, I want to take advantage of the moment right now since it's all fresh. We just talked about it. I want you to take a moment, right, what that miracle is, and I want you quickly to think about those four things. Be open-handed, be prepared, be obedient, be an extravagant worshiper. And then you just wrestle within yourself for just a minute as we worship the Lord. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Church, declare your faith today. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Hold my miracle in your hands. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe. God of the impossible. There's nothing too difficult for you. We trust you, especially with what we don't know. We believe you are who you say you are and you do the things you say we do. Father God, help us to be open-handed people, to give everything, Father God, back to you. Help us be an open-handed church. Give everything you bless this church with, Father, we give it back to you. Advance your kingdom. Help us, Father God, to be prepared to see in our hearts and our lives what we need to do, not only contain a miracle, but maintain it. We need to make some changes, some adjustments, Father God. We need to position ourselves better. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for helping us be obedient, Lord. Whatever you say, Father God, we will do. We'll do it, Father God, without hesitation. We won't understand it all. How could we? You're God and we're not. Father God, if you say it, we'll do it. Our answer is yes. 
And then, Father, we want to be extravagant worshipers. We're not satisfied with where we are. We're not satisfied with the current level. We want to go deeper. We want to go farther, Father God, as individuals, but as a church, Lord. We want to experience you in ways we have yet to experience. We want to see things we have yet to experience. We want revival to break out in a greater measure and to spill out from this place all over this city, Father God, all over this county, this area, Lord, in Jesus' name. Help us just take another step, Father, because we believe that you are the God of miracles. You're a miracle-working God. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.